Thank God it's Free Range. You are listening to Free Range Radio Friday with your host, Michael Elves. Pour yourself a beverage and turn up the volume because here on 101.5 UMFM, the weekend starts now. UMFM, this is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Elves, and kicking things off for us tonight from his new album, African Culture, out today on Impulse, that's Shabaka Hutchings, with Memories Don't Live Like People Do. And uh, I'm starting on a bit of a somber note, and with that song in particular, in light of what happened in Uvalde, Texas earlier this week, I'll be honest, I've had a hard time concentrating on anything else or feeling a lot of joy and, and dealing with the regular world. Uh, as the father of four small kids who uh, were right around the ages of all of these young children who were massacred in Texas. Uh, It has made me very reflective and also very angry. Uh, I'm going to play you another instrumental track, this one from a new forthcoming record from Chad Lawson. It's called Irreplaceable, and uh, certainly those lives were irreplaceable, something that I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, coming up later on the show, we begin our Jazz Winnipeg coverage here on the show. I spoke to Melissa Aldana about her new album, 12 Stars. She'll be performing at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights as part of the kickoff event, and uh, we will get into that uh, a little later. But first, this is Chad Lawson here on 101.5 UMFM.
All right. Well, she is bringing her quartet to the Canadian Museum for Human Rights as part of the Jazz Winnipeg launch. And uh, Melissa Aldana joins us on Zoom. How are you doing, Melissa? I'm doing really well. And yourself? Doing all right. Thanks. Happy to have you on here to talk uh, talk about your record and talk about your music uh, and introduce you to Thank some you. some listeners uh, as well. Um, <laughs> I've been playing 12 Stars uh, for, for a few months now. Thankfully, Blue Note was kind enough to send it uh, a little ahead of time. Um, so I, I do definitely want to talk about this record, but I want to back the train a little, a little bit and talk about kind of your, your musical journey for folks who are just going to discover you at the jazz fest. Um, your father was a saxophonist and yeah, my father was, uh, so you, you come oh. from a, a lineage of a saxophonists. Was it, was it a given that you would play the saxophone? Like, was this something he put in your hands and, and was like, this is happening or did you kind of gravitate to it just because it was in the house? I gravitated towards it. Um, I was always fascinated just by, I don't know, just by the way that I look at the sound. And also for me back then was a way to get closer to my dad, you know? Um, but I think that was coming from me, the fact that I really wanted to learn about how to play the saxophone. So that process, because I've, I've read that you, you listen to other people's works to kind of figure out yourself. Uh, there's, there's a quote you gave to Downbeat that, uh, you know, your process as a musician has been imitating to understand who am I. W was yes. listening to other saxophonists, like the key, like from, from the get-go? Like, did you just, like, whether it was your father playing or practicing or, or recordings of others? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I learned all of this from my dad. My dad was a, he's a great teacher. And I remember since I was very young, he was always trying to make me memorize solos and really spend a lot of time like making the sound just like you know Charlie Parker and the articulation and everything and back then I didn't quite understand what he was trying to do but now I think that he was just trying to make me to understand what does it mean to have a good sound and what does it mean to have a good time feel you know which those are concepts so you can't really explain it so is it a sense of like, as you do it more and more, there's like uh, an ease with which you're able to do it. And then that eventually becomes like your own thing that you're, you're no longer imitating. Uh, that's an interesting question. I think that also has to do a lot with the person, you know, for me, as important is to really begin into somebody and not really analyze it, but more mostly like just feel it first, understand the concept. And then once I do, I can sort of hear what that person is playing. And then I have to go through a process of crisis uh, because I'm not longer trying to play like Mark Turner or Sonny Rollins. So it's the question of like, what am I hearing in the moment? You know, and I think that you can allow yourself to get to that place by being vulnerable, you know, by being present in the moment and by allowing your own ideas and conclusions to come out, you know? And I think that originality is something that we all have because we're all different. We all like different things. We all have different stories, you know? The vulnerability, in terms of, you know, sharing yourself and creating your own compositions, is that what you have to tap into the most to create? Uh, absolutely, you know? Um, I, I find a very important part of the process to to let go you know like as important is to is to practice and gather all the knowledge learn about theory being able to play piano 
let it go, allowing yourself to be vulnerable and, you know, make your own ideas to come out. It's definitely um, a very important process in order to grow as a musician, you know, and you have to be vulnerable in order to do that. The other part you mentioned was presence. And I mean, you, you perform a lot in other people's groups as well, or, you know, with, with other people, you know, in Artemis or with Cecile McLaren Savant. The presence, is that the, the, the key to being a participant in, in someone else's project or, or in a collaborative project like Artemis? Yeah, I mean, I think that, the, I mean, being present is something that you always have to do, you know, that is, to me, that is the most beautiful, more be most beautiful thing about music, you know, just being able to be present and, and share a common language where, you know, there's no gender, there's no colors, there's like just the beauty of the moment. And I want to experience that every time I play, you know, and, but also for me, I don't necessarily perform as a sideman anymore. I'm not part of Artemis, and that was a decision that I took couple of years ago because I really wanna, I believe in the bigger picture. So I really want to, you know, work towards being able to keep a band so we can develop something as a unit, you know, which I think that is really hard these days as a young musicians, you know, and people, everyone plays with, you know, everyone. So I've been working on this idea of keeping the guys and having a band for, for so many years. What factors went into deciding who would be in your band then? I think it's sharing a common vision when it comes to music. Um, you know, to me, having a deep understanding of the history of the saxophone and the music and the language is very, very important as a saxophone player. You know, even though I may not necessarily play like that, I I know very well the history and I'm keep always keep going deeper. And but at the same time, I don't. I don't believe on the idea of being stuck and having to play in a certain way or having to play bebop. Like my question has always been like, how can I find consistency throughout, you know, everything that I like? Because to me, it's like there's a connection, you know, and to me, the connection between everything has to do with the the, the few things I find in common, which is melody, the beauty of harmony, you know, and the beauty of telling a story. So I want to play with musicians that have the same vision. You know, people that are deeply, deeply rooted in the tradition, but at the same time, there's just no, there's no ego. This, this like, you know, this eager to, to grow and really trying to have an experience every time that we play, an experience of growth. You know, so that it, it took me years. You know, I've been in New York um, twelve years, and I was playing with Paulo for a long time, but it took me a long time to, to find the rest of the band. Is it like immediate when you, you realize this is a person that fits in your band or does it kind of grow out of like, you know, performance or, or relationship with them over time that you realize, oh, this is someone who should be in the band? I, I sort of, I mean, by now when I found, I mean, when I started asking Lagan and Kush, I sort of knew about it. Um, I just felt it, you know, like I, the good thing is that I've been a band leader for so many years that. I feel like I do have the experience of understanding, you know, what I want and, and what works and what doesn't work. And I think that that is something that maybe I didn't have before, you know what I mean? So that's why it took me so, so long to understand what I want in the first place. Speaking of what works, what works for you as, as a composer? Like, do you write out charts for, for the rest of the band or do you kind of come to them with the kernel of a, a song idea and, and flesh it out 
in some sort of jam setting? Like what's, what's, or is the, it, does it vary wildly from song to song for you? Yeah. Uh, it changed from song to song, but to me, composing is like, it's just something that I try to do every day. You know, I believe more on the consistency rather than, um, rather than waiting for the divine inspiration. You know what I mean? And and most of the times I try to give the tunes as complete as possible, but then I give it to Lagan. In the last album, he rearranged a lot of things. He moved things around and it was like a collaboration between both of us, you know? Right. Now, 12 Stars, as I understand it, inspired in part by tarot? Yes. And that's something that you got into in the, in the pandemic, in, in lockdown. Yeah, I just always been interested and more about the current divinations. I've always been interested on, on you know, the, the actual history of the tarot and what that meant. And back then I was going through a pretty, pretty deep process. So I was just trying to make sense out of my own crisis, you know. So as I started living tarot, I figured out that, the, you know, there's 22 major arcanas and then, then there are the minor arcanas. So I decided to write music inspiring each one of the arcanas in relationship to my own process, you know. Um, and then also I wrote tunes like when I was going through those crises, you know, like um, like falling um, or intuition. And I was just trying to, to portray the feeling of what I was feeling back then through harmony and, and through the visual thing of what I was, that I was seeing on every card. And and, you know, it was like a very natural process. And then I was very lucky to have Pablo and Kush that we basically spent the pandemic together, you know, um, with Charles. So we were like hanging two, three times a week at my place for hours. And then just like, you know, I would read the tarot and then I will um, bring a tune. Then my other friend will bring a tune and then we will just eat and listen to it. So the whole process of writing the music and the inspiration of the tarot also has to do with the process that we all went together through the pandemic, you know, as a band. So do you see this record as kind of a snapshot of, of that that period in your life? Or does it does it speak to kind of like a longer thread for you musically? No, it speaks like it's interesting because it feels like um like a period of my life, you know what I mean? And and you may not, I mean, I may not have a big change in the way that I play or, or it may not be obvious but everything about that I think about music and the way that I'm thinking about harmony and the way that I'm approaching the instrument has changed deeply after that album you know and it has to do because I'm like working with Lage and Lage is so deep into harmony that just by seeing his process and by playing you know with somebody that is constantly kicking my ass has made me a better musician you know and and he has told me aside and and some maturity that I didn't have before you know so I think that to me the whole you know the whole process of the pandemic and and grabbing the album it was just like a portrait of like everything I love the most my 12 you know 12 in you know, a has to do with a closure of a period of your life you know so it has to do with like being in New York's 12 years the 12 months you know and and then the closure was you know, when the album came out, which I moved into my new place, it was really like a, I don't know, it felt like, like a very special album and, and the way that everything was timed as well. Right. Now, you mentioned 
you know, having someone who kicks your ass, you know, that does raise a question in terms of having someone who challenges you or, or something to kind of aspire to, you know, you, you start out, your father's obviously an established saxophonist. When you first pick up the sax, you, you know, start listening to Sonny Rollins, like one of the, the giants of the, the instrument, having something to compare yourself to, but also like an idealized thing to kind of aim for. Does that help you as an artist to, to challenge you to, you know, push forward? Cause I understand you're, you're a very dedicated, uh, practicer, right? That like, you know, I read an interview that Cecile did that, you know, said you of all the people in Artemis were the one up early practicing and they knew to just leave you alone and let you delve into your practice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I transcribe so much and I, and I have felt how does it feel to play like Sonny Rollins, you know, not, not coming from my ideas, but like I can play it in a way that is so close that I know how it feels. You know, I know how it feels like playing like Chris Porter, you know, like, you know, and so, you know, those are my references, you know, and the playing is, is, is such a high level. And because I spend so much time, like really going deep, I have an understanding that like sound and time feel and details in the music is the most important thing, you know, and that's the thing I work the most in my playing. Like every single note that I'm playing, there is so much thought and, and, and time spent trying to figure out how do I like that note, you know, in what time or what part of the intonation I like it. And, and I know that because of my references, you know, because I'm not just sitting down and trans I'm playing the solo, I'm sitting down and transcribing the concept and the emotional content of how he's playing the solo. So I can understand what is, how to connect with my own emotional content, which has to do with going deeper into that thing, you know, which is finding the thing that makes you personal and it doesn't have to come from, it doesn't have to come from anywhere super different. It's just your conclusion, you know? So for example, when I hear Sonny Rollins, I can hear Coleman Hawkins. So yeah, it's just like having those idols. Um, it really changed the way that you see your vision and the way that you want to play. Do you apply that transcription process to your own material? Like, do you, you know, think about um, yourself like in in that same way and like de detach yourself or get a little bit clinical about your own recordings or your own writings? Um, I do, I do actually, but I do in a in a way where, like, I just question, you know, like I just constantly question, like, why I don't like this or what can be done better and. And the questioning comes from like trusting how I feel, you know? So I, I'm 33 right now. Like I, I, I feel like I'm an adult because, you know, there's a big change between your late twenties and becoming thirties, you know, there's a change and there is a lot of acceptance and growth that not everyone necessarily deals with it. But if you deal with it, um, you are much more at peace with who you are. And I know they just keep in deeper as you've grown and I think that with music is the same you know um when you when you accept your ideas and you embrace them and you're able to recognize them um you are able to make the change and go and find what you like to say you know and it can be leader personal things and then you become conscious about it and becomes part of your actual playing well, speaking of embracing your ideas I want to get you to pick a song off 12 stars that we can play for listeners and if you have a reason why you're picking that song or an anecdote about it. I'd love to hear that. 
Um, we can play Emilia. And Emilia comes from that part of the pandemic where I was having a lot of crazy dreams. And, and one of those was that I had a daughter. I don't, I don't have a daughter in the real life, but in the dream I had a daughter and every night I was trying to make her fall asleep. And I will sing a song um, that I remember one of the mornings that I wake up after the dream. All right, well, we'll give that one a listen. Uh, Melissa Aldana bringing the quartet to the Canadian Museum for Human Rights as part of the TD Winnipeg International Jazz Festival on Tuesday, June 14th. Thanks very much for taking some time to talk. Thank you so much.
Here on Thank God It's Free Range, Friday edition of Free Range Radio. Right before the break, local artist Sam Singer with Hang Loose from From the Hills, Beaten Roads, Down to the Trees. Great new little EP. Before that, Andy Milne in unison with The Call. Andy Milne coming to Jazz Winnipeg, the TD Winnipeg International Jazz Festival. Uh, and before that, Melissa Aldana with her pick from 12 Stars, Emilia. And uh, as mentioned, she'll be kicking off at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights on Tuesday, June 14th. Uh, for more information and tickets, go to jazzwinnipeg.com. Uh, before our interview with Melissa Aldana, I played something from Jocelyn Gould's new record, Golden Hour. It's called Tides Are Turning. And uh, Jocelyn will be part of the club series at the Royal Albert Arms, which is uh, being turned from a punk venue into a jazz venue over the course of the festival. Uh, Jasmine Myra with Horizons, the title track from a forthcoming LP on Gondwana. Time Warp with Mixo World, new single. And we started that set off with Chad Lawson. Speaking of starting things off, our next set is going to start off with a duo out of Ontario called Clever Hopes. It's called The Other Side. We're going to keep it on a bit of a folk roots tip for a few minutes here before we hand things over to After 8 Radio. I'll get, I'll get into some uh, 
more upbeat stuff as we hand things over. But uh, we've also got something from Winona Judd and Waxahachie, a new collaboration on a single called Other Side. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM.
take one last look to make sure I got it right. Stop. 
let my peers rock Gear to the blockchain Get the dumping real quick Trying to see some stock gains Hands up, no pressure Must be new to the class The black phantom like a rock This ain't lunatic's mask Keep the iron fisted Like it's cool moon in the past Talking kumbaya, kumite Summon Devin Dumoulin You about to find out I'm true to the mask The douche, moosh, boosh Clear picture, ruin the glass Pulled over doing 88 With the flux on Radio was real loud And the song ducks on Racist cop, cool cluck About to get cuffed on Dolan's hood and roll Really just to bust a bust on you were relevant, we took you out the con. Turn it up. 